What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We've got a lot to catch up on, so I'm not going to delay it too long. Let's get right into it. Hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I know it's repetitive because in every episode, I start the intro saying that, and then when we actually start recording, I say it again. So welcome for the third time now (laughs) to the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. It's been about a week and a half, two weeks since we recorded. I've been on the road, and uh, uh, it's it's on me this time, but um, or every time, basically. But we're glad to be recording again, and uh, as the guys nod their heads, let's go around the table and see what's up. Nick, what's up with you, dude? Yeah, start with me because Rob's going to bring the hammer today. Rob has raccoon eyes, unlike I've seen in a hot minute. So Rob's nodding confidently. I think he's been he's been on the water and has stories to tell. I, on the other hand, uh, I just updated my resume online, uh, trying to find a podcast where middle-aged balding men who don't really do much of anything would be relevant because it was another dry couple of weeks for me i haven't fished uh, but i am proud to report no one had any tylenol daiquiris in the last two weeks and dude so you were on your own too for a few days right or maybe it's, more it's this is true yeah I, I i knocked it i uh, got five more days of holding down the fort with the kids during a school week and no one drank a tylenol daiquiri so it was like double win we did have a nice bout of the flu go through our house and you can never give children's Tylenol comfortably after what we went through. <laughs> so every time when his fever, his fever got to like 104 and change for like two days. And I'd be giving him Tylenol and I was just like, oh, your poor you body's going to be like Tylenol is like oxygen at this point. You keep I don't it in know. the safe now, bro. You keep it in a gun safe. Dude, with biometric like butt scanning technology. <laughs> but uh, we, we survived. Um, it was fun watching you, you man. I'm sure you're going to talk a lot about your experiences in Alabama uh it's been it's just been fun this is the first season for a while that I've been able to just really watch MLF live and even though I never fish I feel like I'm better than two-thirds of the people out there fishing because I just watch and listen and learn so much it's an entertaining program it's pretty cool that's cool dude I really enjoy the host do you I mean I think JT is hilarious dude Marty's very insightful JT is so funny and uh, Chad does a good job running the show the dude had never really fished until three years ago. And now he's like, sounds like a pro. Yeah. And he just does He's like the good, like mediator, you know, like you just need someone to kind of keep it moving and lobbing up softballs for the other guys to mess around. It's just, it's cool. I really enjoy it for sure. Isn't, isn't there an on the water guy too? Yeah. Rob Newell and dude, Rob, Rob Newell. Newell is the man, you know, is I, he the only on the water guy? They have, he's the only guy that's going to be like giving interviews. Rob is uh he's got a ton of fishing knowledge and he literally is out on the water every day, you know, looking at the conditions, following guys around. He's, he's been in the bass fishing world for 20 years. So he knows it so well. And, um, you know, so is he like in a personal boat or does he like have a people bring him around or how does that work? That's a good question. So normally there, the league typically brings about eight nitro boats to the tournament. Um, it's part of their deal with nitro, whatever they get. And they use those boats for camera transfer boats. And Newell always has his own boat. Um, that way he can just do whatever he wants to on the water. And, uh, oh, he's knocked a few lower job. units off, man. They're going to have to eventually start getting him a driver because he's knocked a few lower units off. Those 
Oh, that's he doesn't get practice wow. driving, you know, running these hard to hard to navigate fisheries, and he just goes for it. He's like, "It ain't my boat. I'm going for it." But uh, and I hope he hears wow. this. But um, it's a pretty cool job, dude. I would love yeah. to have his job on the water, you know, like that. I think dude, that that's a fe- that's a future guest. The stories have got to be it's a epic. great call. Yeah, he's a great guy oh, too. Man, I would love to talk to him on it. Yeah, it'd be cool. That is the number one best job because you're already going to all the tournaments. I remember a hundred years ago when you first started, Josh, and Richard was flirty with me to give me a little deal to travel around. And then my life went down a different fork with parenting and all of that. But man, like that would be so fun to travel and then contribute like he does. And like, man, and right down to the fact that you get to wreck boats and people just kind of like shrug. <laughs> yeah, like, they'd man, bring I'd you another so, one, dude. It's great. Dude, I'd be so good at that. Like, I could do way better than him. My commentary might not be anywhere near as good as him, but I can wreck stuff real good. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it would be very wreck, interesting wreck commentary, though, dude. That's true. I'd be like, there's three coots over here, and uh, no one's fishing, but uh, these coots look real interesting. <laughs> I love it. So, well, that's good. Yeah. Well, dude, hey, we're going to get into it, but uh, spring is here and, and you got a lot going on. I know you got a lot going on in the business world right now. And then, you know, you've been busy dad lifing, but, uh, you know, hopefully you can get out and catch some big fish this spring because uh, you, you were smart and you sat out the winter, dude. And, and think about, <laughs> I know you've thought about it a lot, the brownie points you've earned this past week. Yes. So we're expecting some good fishing stories out of you moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, Josh is right. I think you planned it just right. Cause, um, this spring has taken a while to, uh, to come around. January and February sucked. Didn't they? Like Dude, right now like no sucks. One was bragging. Still, I mean, it's huh? still, I drove to Saguaro this week, uh, and saw 28 degrees. Uh, think about wow. that. Like it's cold it's been winter weather. It is yeah. unseasonably cool. So I think today is the high was in like high 60s or low 70s it's like it's almost the middle of march that's still pretty cool for us there's Way plenty cool. of marches when it's in the 90s so yeah yeah i so i've i've guided for the i mean every day for the last few weeks and uh this last week the warmest temps i saw were 55 water temps wow. so, it's, so it's it's slow going this year but i mean obviously it'll come around i think this next week's going to be in the 80s but the nighttime temps are still pretty chilly but it'll get going yeah that means some fat fish right now these fish are ready oh, to pop dude <laughs> they are yeah fishing's actually right, been like, pretty it's been pretty good but it's just it's like it's it's like we talked about on a previous podcast where these fish get in their pre-spawn and they're just starting to back up like they're getting uh, close but they're not there so that's i mean kind of like that fourth grader who's trying to get his first kiss and he's like nudged in a little bit and then he gets stage fright and he goes back and then he gets a little closer similar analogy similar but different yeah okay perfect (laughs) you know you gotta put it in simple terms you know i'm mostly a fourth grader intellectually so (laughs) gotta dumb it down for me yeah more like the freeway the morning traffic backing up oh okay he waits till he's 24 hey well i became a dad at 25 (laughs) so i'm a fast learner (laughs) <laughs> so rob what's up with you dude uh just been guiding a bunch um a lot of great trips um like i said it's the spring is slowly coming uh, i think this next week's gonna be good um dude i had a crazy one this last week and i'm gonna make it as short as i possibly can but uh our buddy uh listener and a good friend of ours for years is rob thielen posts on facebook that saguaro lake is closed 
So I get up <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, whatever. And there's a bunch of comments on there saying, maybe it's just closed at night. Maybe they're working <laughs> on something. So I'm all nervous, Nelly. So I obviously leave the house early and I run out there and Cause you I have a trip cl- planned, right? I had a trip. I had clients yeah, coming yeah. from like an hour away. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I get there and I'm like, sweet. The barricade's not across the road. It's off to the side. So obviously they're just working at night, right? So I go launch my boat. I'm sitting in my <laughs> truck because I'm stupid early. Like it's, I'm way too early. It's completely dark. And then finally I go down into my boat and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden a truck comes really aggressively at the boat ramp <laughs> with his headlights facing down at my boat uh. the dude's walking down the dock aggressive. I'm like, good morning. I'm, so I got a little <laughs> nervous actually, to be honest with you. It was just a weird situation. So <laughs> it's just you and him there, dude. That's it. Yeah. And anyhow, he comes down he's like, look, I'm a volunteer here. I'm the camp host and, but you're not supposed to be here. The, the lake area is closed. And I said, well, that's weird. I mean, we're permitted by the forest by the national forest to, you know, run our guide service. And, uh, we didn't get an email or anything. I've got clients coming. They're almost here. I said, is there any way you can call your boss? So he calls his boss and the guy gets on the phone and, and the guy's like, yeah, he shouldn't be in there, but you know what, if they park off to the side, they're just going to be working in this one area. So he told me where to park. I stayed in the water. My clients come in they had to move the barricade to come in as the the clincher here though. So (laughs) he threw out his back pushing. Yeah. So they come in and they park. We go out and fish. We literally had the lakes, the lake to ourselves. There was a handful of rental boats from the Marina, but like literally Saguaro Lake to ourselves in the beginning of March. Imagine that. So we caught a bunch of fish and we come back to the ramp and everyone's happy. And my clients get out. We walk up to our vehicles and on our windshield is a ticket. <laughs> so $130 tickets each. So I'm, I'm responsible for it, right? So I'm $260 deep in tickets here. <laughs> there goes the guy trip. Yep, yep. So I, give, day. I obviously gave my client 130 bucks for the, you know, to pay for his ticket. And um, on my way out, I ran into Dan and Dan was the boss that was called. And I also ran uh, into the ticketing officer. And <laughs> so I start t- talking to the ticketing officer. He's like a federal cop of some sort. And he, like, he just looks at me like, I don't okay. know why you're talking to me. <laughs> just, I'll see you. In yeah. Like, like you're anyhow. Oh, so I go talk you to have Dan. No case. And, yeah. Good luck. I go to talk to Dan, the guy that's the, you know, the guy that the volunteer woke up and He's like, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. He goes, you didn't move, move the barricade, but your uh, your client moved the barricade. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I just turned oh. around and walked away. So anyhow, that's my story. And oh <laughs> man, so for Brutal. 260 bucks, you can rent Saguaro Lake for a day. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's that's actually pretty reasonable. But you had yeah. to work for free and rent yeah. Saguaro Lake for a day, so that's maybe where it takes a turn for the dramatic. Yeah. So hopefully, Did you guys I've- catch quality for him. Yeah, we did. We caught some good fish and it was fun and yeah, it was all good. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, man. That's ridiculous. That's that's a good Reaction. story anyways, dude. Yeah. 
reaction type stuff or uh mostly like drop shot was it a little blend of everything no it's just these fish are still slow moving stuff they just they have a hard time chasing until it gets warm you know it's kind of weird but but uh, on the other hand i don't give them a lot of chance to chase either i'm not i'm guiding people that are you know so yeah we have our limitations to a certain degree but of the 43 fish you caught over 40 came off of live scope forward facing did you just drive around i wish down i caught 43 open the bail and then yeah. set the hook it's hard to watch like you watch mlf dude and you're just like if you don't have live scope you're in trouble it's i i did some trips later in the week at uh, bartlett and every single fish we caught because of live, live scope so <laughs> there's some sneaky like yeah, if, yeah and not to speak for you rob but like there's plenty of days where you don't use it and it's yep. not a factor. You might yep. go to a whole yep. lake for a whole tournament or fish a whole week at home without using it. But man, there's, you're going to go to the next one and uh, every well, fish you catch would be because of it. And what Rob's talking about, one lake he's not using it, the next lake every yep. fish is coming off of it. So, yep. dude, it's a, it's a must have, period. Like it's, it's, it, two years ago, it was like, oh, that's really cool. I'd love to have it. And now, like, <laughs> if you're sitting here listening and, and, you're a serious bass fisherman, get it before anything yeah. else, like whatever you got to do, you know, hold off on buying that. Hold off on the mortgage and get or, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On I mean, wedding jewelry. Whatever you're going to use your fishing money for, put it on live scope. <laughs> no, but he, in, in exactly like Josh said, one lake I'm not using it at all. The other, the other lake, and I'm probably using it different than, let's say the guys on the MLF tour, Josh, I mean, you guys are pinpointing individual fish quite often and, and watching your bait and watching the fish react to the bait guiding. That's a little different because I'm having to explain to my clients where the fish are. So a lot of times what I'm doing is I'll go down a bank and as I'm going down, I'm scanning around and what's happening is we're finding rock piles offshore or long points where the fish are. And what I'll do is I'll locate a pretty good sized school of fish. I'll position the boat correctly to where I can keep that angle. And I'll tell them exactly what way to cast. And a lot of times I'll position the boat to where it's facing into the wind. And I still know exactly where those fish are. And I'll have them make, you know, 10 or 20 repeated cast in that direction <laughs> or till they stop catching them, you know, That's sweet. <laughs> it just, it helps me as a guide, um, really keep them in productive water and please cool. tell me you never explained that to any of them and let them think that you're like a savant and you're just <laughs> right. like reading the wind and you're right. like you know i'm gonna do a 180 and point it into the wind and then you're gonna cast off the bat you should start oh and then have them cast from like weird parts of the boat at it so that you can completely blow their mind like i just felt good you know like the water temp fluctuated two tenths and whenever you see that oh i dude, like it that's what nick would it. do in a heartbeat oh, oh yeah Oh yeah. But I'll I'm thoroughly enjoying it and I've got a, I've got a ton to learn with it, but it's, it's a lot of fun to just, I mean, when you can see a fish turn and you see their tail and their fins, and, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's flipping nuts is what it is. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's what I've been up to. Josh, let's talk about the tournament. Well, yeah, I'm glad uh, you've been fishing a bunch, dude. We'll go into the tournament, you know, like right now when it comes to the podcast, it's been such a busy spring for all of us. Typically, the for the uh, format, you know, we'll, we'll sit here and BS, go over some topics, and we'll have a guest. 
seems like every podcast we're doing, it's like fresh off a tournament. So we're going to do this when we're super bang, 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 week after week tournaments. And then when things slow down here in a month or so, we'll get back to the guests. But it's what we, we have to talk about. And every tournament, um, you know, you learn a lot of lessons and stuff. You fish for a whole week and, and, and you learn new stuff and you experience stuff. So I think it's, it's cool to be able to hash it out on the podcast. I'm not going to sit here and um, – talk about it for an hour but we'll take 10 or 15 minutes and talk about the tournament because there were some as always some cool things to pull away from it and uh, learn for the future and i'll share it with listeners too but um you know so i mean man i i'm home for like a week and it's been a crazy week because i'm i'm i haven't been home for a month so that's one thing so there's a lot to catch up on spend time with family and then also i'm swapping boats out which Unfortunately, it's not as simple as um, just taking the stuff out of one and putting it in another. You know, there's a lot to do on the uh, logistical side of it. And I'm hoping everything is is put together properly when I get out there. I get good people putting it together for me, but there's just a lot in motion there. So I'm going to finally get the new boat on the water tomorrow and check it out. And it's pretty sweet. It, uh, when that Z21XL first came out, I thought, oh man, it's the same. It looks like the same boat, right? Like there's just going to be a couple little, little changes, but it looks like the same thing. And when you actually get inside one and, and get one, totally different boat. And a lot of, in, in a good way, like the storage layout's totally different. The hull looks different. It's a different boat. And I'm actually really excited about it. So I've had the same boats for the last six, seven years with the Z21. So um, I'm stoked to get it out, but Go ahead, Nick. Where did it grow? It grew a little bit in width. Is that right? Like, where What's did the it? XL well, come dude, out? I don't know. It's, I don't think it grew at all, to be honest. So the it's name the, is just exciting. The XL, but yeah, it's a, it's just, it's a, it's a brand new hull and it's got, okay. it might be an inch or two longer, but it was already 21, three. It's okay. not extra long. Five, it's extra legit. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. You would hey. think it would be extra long or extra large, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's sweet, dude. I can't wait to get it out. I just got a wrap yesterday. Dude, you have to incorporate, like get in your wrap. It's probably too late now, but if you, wherever the XL sticker, you know, part of your wrap, if you've got E-G-I-T behind the L, oh man. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Rain. That would be, that would, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Get Napoleon on the phone. He can reprint it. That stuff's like 10 cents a yard. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it, dude. That's pretty funny. But yeah, so like all, all that to say, it's been a, a wild week. I'm turning around for Red Crest in a few more days. So um, it's been a while, but um, the tournament, we last talked at Fork. We were just wrapping up it over there. And then we went, we took a few days off or had a few days off. And then uh, we were on Smith Lake in Alabama. And Smith is, it's wild because acreage wise, it's, it's about the same size as Fork. It's roughly 20 something thousand acres, maybe a little bit bigger than Fork, but not much. Okay. But you get out on the lake and it's nuts. If you look at it on a map, it's very narrow and long. Like it's, uh-huh. yeah, dude, it's like, uh, it's just arms and fingers going everywhere. And we launch, when we launch for uh, MLF, we go out of the state park in like the very upper northeast end of the lake. So to get to mid lake, it's like 30 miles. You could be running for, 60 miles if you want it's just a massive body of water it fishes huge it fishes absolutely huge it all looks the same yeah you didn't have gps dude it was it's one of those lakes that like it doesn't you don't think about it like that but if your gps failed on you you would be 
toast. Like you would literally have to try to remember. Thank you. I, I was starting to get anxiety. Thank you. I forgot my notepad inside. But now I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, Dude, but when a, we, when we rented the pontoon boat the first time at my brother-in-law's and I know, I don't think Jordan is probably anywhere near, it has a little bit of what Smith has, but I would say, but the same thing too, when I came out of the Creek that they lived in and then I saw it, I was like, I'm going to get lost and I'll be able to come I'm back, gonna home. Get back dude. Yeah. Cause there was like seven fingers. You get out into the main bowl and it was like, okay, that house has an American flag and someone's puking in the yard over. Okay, let's go. But yeah, it, cause there's no GPS on a rental. Yeah. Old school. You got to start to you remember landmarks, but just our generation, we never had to do that. So like, it just, I'm just not used to doing that. But anyways, it's a, it's a, it's a deep clear lake full of spotted bass. It's, I would say 90 plus percent spots. Um, okay. Even in the shallow water, you're going to find some largemouth, but it's dominated by spots and it's got good spots in it. It's a good spotted bass lake, but um, that lake has a winter pool and it sits eight or five to 10 feet low all winter long. And then they bring it up to a springtime to full pool for the spring and leading up to the tournament they hadn't been getting a ton of rain and it was like okay you know it's gonna be stable everything will be fine and then as we finished a fork i started looking at smith a lot and all of a sudden the water level starts going like that and skyrocketing and, and long story <laughs> short the water came up eight feet the week uh, before practice and during nice. practice that was coming up still a couple feet a day during practice Oh. And then it stopped rising at the end of practice. So um, oh. luckily, that's a lake where, it, dude, there's a lot of lakes where if the water came up eight feet in a week, you wouldn't catch a bass for two weeks after that. A lot of lakes. Yeah. But this lake is so steep. The fish, a lot of the fish utilize cover that has no bearing. The water level has no bearing on it, right? Huh. Like if you were fishing the back of a flat creek and the water flooded up into the timber for miles, it, you're screwed. But that lake is full of bluffs, uh, floating boat docks that are sitting already over 20 to 200 feet of water. So, hey, that uh -huh. water comes up 20 feet. Those fish don't even care. They just stay under the same dock, right? It's going to uh -huh. keep floating. So they just go with it. The one real kind of interesting X factor was the water clarity because you're starting with a lake that's got five, six, seven foot visibility, and then you get that kind of runoff and stuff. And now your areas are getting blown out. And also debris, like you're going to be running. You got to be really careful running around because there's logs and debris mats everywhere. And also, which you wouldn't think about, but I, the way I was fishing, I was skipping a weightless stick worm general under docks. And uh, when the surface is covered in pine needles and pieces of wood and logs and stuff, it's tough to skip your bait and get it into uh. the water because it's just grabbing everything on the <laughs> way in. So just a couple of little weird X factors, but um Practice started, you know, the fish were total pre-spawn phase. Um, you know, the water was in the mid fifties. It wasn't like a cold, cold, frigid deal, but it was no chance they'd even think about spawning that week. So you're looking total pre-spawn. And um, I went in, I knew going in again, that a guy like Wheeler is going to win this thing, chasing fish on forward facing sonar, finding something a little bit different than everyone else. So I went in looking hard for that. Um, I had little glimpses of it where I would get into an area over some deep water and catch like a couple, 
you know, but I couldn't really, I never got into a deal where it was like fish after fish and I felt really good about it. And, uh, you guys know, I hate dock fishing, but this type of dock fishing is a little bit different. It's over deep water. Um, and there's big schools under these docks, like with a lot of dock fishing in parts of the country, you got a dock that's in shallow water and there might be one fish living on that dock and you got to pick that dock apart, fish every angle of it. And you're hoping to catch that one fish. In this deal, you'd have a floating dock that had 70 spotted bass under it, or, or you know, maybe 20. It is depending on the dock, but it would have a school of fish under it. And um, I can deal with that, dude. I like fishing yeah. for, you know, I like looking at a dock on live scope and seeing 20, 30 fish. I like my chances. So um, it was a little bit better for me to, to kind of go and do um, and practice. Um, one of my roommates, Gerald Sporer, had a great first day dock fishing yeah. and I was still kind of spread around. I was like, your first day of practice. He's like, dude, you got to stick to the dock, stick to the dock. So ultimately um, that was kind of what I ended up really doing um, the first couple of days of the tournament. First day went really well. I finished the day in fifth um, and I did a lot of my damage in the second period. I ended up catching, I had, you know, uh, 20, 20 plus pounds that period and uh, had a really good zone of the lake where you were calling your shots. You know, sometimes you're, you're trying to just catch a fish and then sometimes you can't do anything wrong. And like that, it was uh, a section of the lake where I knew exactly what docks had them. I knew exactly where they would be sitting on the dock and I, I could just do it at will. And I ran through them one time and caught enough to almost make the cut just in one period. So I spent the, th the third period looking for new stuff. It slowed down a little bit. The second, so at that point, I had enough weight to probably make the cut already um, before the second day of competition. So the second day I went out, my goal was to catch a couple and make sure I was really safe and then pre-fish all day for the knockout round. That's kind of what you have to do. So that's kind of what I did. I went out and caught a couple early and then um, went looking. And, and it was just slow enough when I was looking. I tried – what I was trying to do was it was warming up, and I was like, I want to find a deal back in a shallow area, shallow creek where the fish are flocking to that no one's been in, right? Like the water had been rising so much and it was so cold and hadn't worked out for guys up to that point, but I wanted to be the guy to – run into that magical creek or pocket um before anyone else did and i had the luxury to be doing that because i had enough weight to make the cut it was a huge advantage for a handful of guys and i just never found it you know i'd never I, I ran a handful of them never ran into it and then i was like well i had a little bit of time left i said well maybe i'll just find some more docks that'll be productive and as soon as i start doing it again i start catching fish again i'm like well i gotta i gotta do this um, the problem was the conditions were changing a lot. We had bluebird skies, bright sun. And when you're dock fishing, that's perfect conditions. Like you're having to skip your bait way under the dock to get bit. And you have to have calm water. If you have even a six inch chop, those are like little ramps for your bait to shoot up when it's skipping. <laughs> evil can evil. Dude, you cannot, yeah, exactly. You cannot skip when you have chop really. So like, um, I was, I was worried about that, but I was like, well, I'll find enough protected docks. I can, I can make it work on enough protected docks, but the sun too, like the sun's a big deal. And what I was doing, I was taking a baby bass, an accent general, 
for my bait, wacky rig with a nail weight in it to get it down a little bit. And when it's sunny, you could look at the dock and, and, and you'd, try, you'd look at it and say the sun is coming from the northeast. So instantly, the whole northeast side of the dock, you don't even ever have to make a cast. You instantly take your boat and go to the southwest corner of the dock where the most shade is at. Take your live scope, shine it down underneath. If the dock did not, a lot, the lake's got millions of docks. And if the dock did not have a boat hoist in it, the fish would not use it. It had Whoa. to have a metal bo <laughs> boat hoist. What's that about? Dude, because it's Eat? cover. Okay. Uh, it's cover. Yeah. Like you got all the braces and stuff like that, the metal braces underneath. Like, uh, and the thing is, there are so many docks to choose from. They're just not going to pick a dock that doesn't have it. So, um, yeah, you'll have, you'll look down the bank and there'll be five docks and two of them have that metal hoist and dude, every single time. So literally, I mean, when did you figure that out? Practice. Like, um, and, and you're just fishing along and you're like, was that something you said to yourself? Was it just something that you knew before or what? You just, I mean, pick up on it through practice and Gerald yep. and James had seen the same thing, you yep. know, so it was, it was, it was simple and basic. And if you were out there, you would have seen it too, but like, yep. dude, it was so obvious. And like, literally you could, when it was sunny, you would say, okay, well that one, that boat dock over there. And, and another thing I was doing was I was only fishing docks that had bright sun on them. Like as the lake would wind back and forth, you'd have <clears throat> some, some one side of the lake, the it would be the South side of the lake, I guess didn't have as much sunlight on it all day long. So those docks are just going to be much harder to pinpoint the fish. So I only fished docks on the north side of the lake because you could literally drive up and make one cast and, and catch the fish, right? And <laughs> sometimes you'd catch two or three off of a dock before they wised up. Sometimes you wouldn't catch any. Sometimes, you know, it, but it was pretty predictable. But then, you know, knockout round came around. And of course, it's not going to be calm and sunny for six straight days. So it's cloudy and windy now. And it's just much more of a struggle. It's harder to get your bait in there. Instead of maybe taking one to three casts to get the perfect skip, now it's taking 10. And out of the 10, you're breaking off once because your bait goes up and skips and hooks up into the, the dude's rope on his boat. <laughs> and uh, it's, just, oh, it's just a nightmare, right? And, and you, your boat is kind of all over the place, so it's harder to keep your live scope on them. And uh, a lot of the fish you'd have to trick into biting on live scope and this deal with the wind, it's just harder to position your boat. Everything's harder. And um, going into the day, I was like, well, I know it's going to be harder, but it's what we're going to do. And hopefully it's still good enough. Hopefully we can still go out there and catch, you know, 15 fish or so and make it. I think we still can. And it just wasn't like that. Um, when the two groups came together, group A and group B, come to find out there's a lot of guys in the other group fishing the same three mile stretch and so now i'm sharing <laughs> and we have to fish the protected docks so instead of having 200 docks to choose from now it's like 20 right it you just only got, got tighter and tighter huh exactly so yep. ultimately i had to leave and go to another creek that i hadn't fished yet and i wish i had done it sooner there's no one in there and i ended up catching 12 pounds or something in the last period and climbed up from the basement to like 25th and uh, that's where I ended the day. So um, good tournament, but ultimately it was won um, by a dude that had found some fresh fish. It was Dustin Cannell. He had the, I mean, it's, it's basic, but 
to be able to drop everything and go try something new is difficult during the tournament. And the fact that they were sucking so much water out of the lake, you know, they were trying to get the water down because there was another rainstorm coming. The water was already high. So he goes to the dam and fishes right next to the pump house at the dam where the current is ripping. And in practice, you would have fished that and not seen anything. I did. I fished it. I launched right there and I fished it. There was no fish there. But when they uh. turned those generators on and started sucking the bottom out of the lake, all the current coming around that corner, that little rock point that he was fishing, those fish, there was a huge school of fish that would come and sit right on that thing. And uh, he capitalized on it at the end. So um, he has a fair amount of local knowledge too, right? That's, he definitely does. He, yeah. he, he doesn't, he lives a couple, an hour or two from there and he's fished yeah. it a lot. He's a great spot at bass fishermen to begin with. So one, one question I wanted to go back on Josh was you're talking about finding that, that right Creek. Um, were you looking for like run-ins where the water was coming in that type of stuff? Or was that all, cause that's kind of a factor for spots, right? That is. And they love that. And that's a huge factor there. And it had been raining. So that was one of those things in practice. I literally fished 20 run-ins and it wasn't that good. Like it, yeah. I just never hit the right one and come to find out it never was a thing this week. The guys that are so good at it that know all the good run-ins, Jesse Wiggins, Jordan Lee, they never caught him on run-ins, and it was just too cold of a rain. Gotcha. If it would okay. have been a warm rain, they would have, and that water was warmer, those fish would have gone to it. Or if it was later in the year and been a cold rain, they would have gone to it. But the water temp out, you know, in the in the stable water was more desirable to the more fish attractive. and the fish than the water running in. So that's a good question, and and dude. I was looking at a lot of them and I, everyone else and their brother was too. Like I'd yeah. be coming out of one and here comes the <laughs> guy. And, and in practice, that was the dominant thing that everyone was looking for. But it went to show that it wasn't a thing because not a single dude in the tournament ended up catching him. And that water kept running. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it, it's funny that spotted bass are just spotted bass because Northern California, they love run-ins too. And when that happens, guys crush them in the backs of those creeks where they're running. So that's cool. Yeah. Pretty interesting. It's, it's such an interesting deal and it's cool how some of those lakes lay out like that. Cause like there aren't that many lakes around the country that have that. that it's like a waterfall or a river, run, a Creek running into a lake. And um, a lot of lakes, there's one big tributary or something that feeds it and that's it. But lakes like, uh, like Smith and some of those lakes up in, in Northern California. Yeah. They'll run for days after you get a rain. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan has a couple of beautiful waterfalls too. And I was just like blown away from that. Like you said here. Yeah. Now here, that was like, I don't know. We don't have a whole lot of waterfalls. So I realized quickly that the, the people that live there were like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not that cool. And for me, I was like, this is an enchanting waterfall. Oh, seriously? If you rub a couple of crystals bro. together, you're going to have age reversing symptoms, but it is cool. What did you just do, Nick? You came to the light now. I, you were in the dark there for a while. I've been praying, bro, trying to get right. back to the light. Been living a dark life. <laughs> no, I was trying to be a jackass, and I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> Josh's deep, enjoyable breakdown. Yeah, real was, enjoyable, I'm sure. <clears throat> hey, it was for me. And I was trying to uh, reemerge next to the Golden Gate Bridge. I was scanning through the background settings on Zoom, but my 71-year-old Apple laptop apparently doesn't have the technology to pull that off, so mm. I gave up. Right on. Do you well, remember hey, when Rob was in the cafe forever? When Rob got the Angler yeah, Tapiara? Nice. Now he has the most sophisticated laptop of all of us, and he knows barely how to turn it on. 
but he was in a futuristic cafe for months. I have to have the most sophisticated <laughs> one because it works all the time. Dude, there you go. When I was, it was funny because when I was logging in tonight, I was like, I was just thinking to myself, it blows my mind. This thing's still working perfect. So with me running it. I mean, unless you you're doing do extra the same thing every time and it works yeah. every time. Yeah. Unless you're doing extracurricular activities with our company laptop that company we're not laptop. so sure of, <laughs> then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be working so good, but typically my oh, laptop viruses. Dude, that's what I'm saying. My laptop is so old. The profile picture is of me and my wife when I still had long hair. So that was like three decades ago. So nice. I miss those days. That's cool. Well, uh, hey, a couple more. One more note from Smith. Thought you guys would think this was a cool story, and it was on the Best on Tour blog. It's where I saw it. I was at the tournament, but I only read it on the blog. But Jeremy Lawyer, he's a uh, he's a technically a rookie on tour this year. He's a stud longtime fisherman from the midwest but it's his first year on tour but he was fishing next to a marina and we've all had incidences with keys on the lake <laughs> truck keys he's fishing next to a marina and, and like there is like a sheriff boat that launches or I, i'm getting some of this wrong but the gist of what happened was a sheriff boat is launching and some lady has the truck keys and she is like 15 feet from the boat on the dock and just chucks the keys and they <laughs> straight into the lake, dude. straight into the lake. <laughs> so they're freaking out and he sees this happen <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, he comes over, he's like, Hey, you know, it's shallow water over here. It's during practice. He goes, I've caught, believe it or not, I've caught sets of keys before with a crankbait. Can I give it a shot? And they like kind of blow them off. They're like, yeah, go ahead, dude. And he casts for like no. a couple minutes and catches the set of keys. And the thing is, they had a lanyard. So oh. that was the whole thing. He saw the lanyard as they threw it. So he hooked the dang lanyard, dude, with a medium diving crankbait. And that's incredible. Their keys. Yeah. Man. And I thought you were going to say he live scoped them. <laughs> I thought so, too. I thought you'd that be like, I have four cases of sonar. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need the new one. That's, That's when you tell the cop, hey, will you get out your notepad here real quick? I'm going to need you to jot this down. Get out of jail free card, then sign seriously. it. Right? Seriously, like, dude. Yeah, yeah. remember me. Hook a brother up. Uh-huh. I'll be running that no-wake zone tomorrow, and you'll be looking the other way. <laughs> dude. What Have you guys ever lost your keys in the lake? Knock on wood, no. Yeah, no kidding. No, Rob is so calculated and precise. I would never have a little brain fart like that. How about, I think the best one that I know of was Mitch. It was Mark and Mitch, right, yeah. Josh? Yeah. yeah I, Mark dropped Mitch's keys in the back of the salt. Is that how that worked? Basically, <laughs> Mitch's truck keys took a dunk in like 15 feet of Salt River Channel deep into the salt end of Roosevelt. And uh, his girlfriend at the time, I think, had to drive all the way out and give them their spare keys, if I remember correctly, which is, what, a four-hour round trip? That's a nice round trip, yeah. Scenic. You that's know. no fun. Dude, that's – I need to do it. I used to be on the ball, and I would always take my extra set of truck keys and put them in the boat. Oh. I'd put them in the rod locker. I'd zip tie them up to the you know wiring or whatever <laughs> up in the rod locker to where I'd just forget Not about them. But if, I ever, uh -huh. if that ever happened – but dude, this is no lie. We are fishing St. Lawrence River in maybe 2015. And 
I forgot to unlock one of my back compartments that morning. You know, you lock them up every night. <laughs> so I forget to unlock them and I got a camera in the boat. I'm on live and uh, I need something out of the back compartment, dude. So I, I'm like, oh crap, it's locked. So I go in the glove box, take the keys out, unlock that compartment and whatever, for whatever reason, I leave them on the back deck and uh i start run i'm doing i'm fishing the day and i'm running all over the river like a madman you know hitting different places catching fish and i get to calling one time and i look and back in the wiring of the motor is my oh. keys i'm like oh there's my what are my keys doing back there and i thought about it I'm like oh my gosh dude i would have got back to the dock in upstate new york <laughs> and not known where the hell my keys were at. I would have never known they would have been in a hundred feet of water in the St. Lawrence river. And then lawyer would have had to get his deep diving crank out. Oh my God. Lucky. Yeah. You used a lot of karma on that. Yeah. Yeah. You exactly. Mind your P's and Q's and where I gave all the karma back the last day of that tournament. So uh, oh. it was, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy, but uh, I thought you guys would get kick out of that. Um, Next thing I wanted to uh, bring up real quick was, uh, so before Smith, we had the celebration of life for Aaron Martins. And, you know, we talked about Aaron a lot, uh, you know, a, m- a couple months ago on the podcast. And um, celebration of life was actually, it was really, it was really moving. It was, it was awesome. And it was also pretty heavy, you know, like when it was over, it was, uh, I, I got out of there and I was like, man, you know, it took me a little bit of time to kind of gather myself a little bit. It was pretty cool because there were a lot of funny stories about Aaron, a lot of awesome stories. And then there were some really, you know, sad stories too. You know, his wife was there, his, his kids were there, his daughter spoke and it broke your heart listening to her speak. You know, she had for her to be able to, to get up and do that was really impressive. But um, how old is she? She is, she's in high school. She's a okay. high school bass angler. It's really cool. Actually. Nice. That's cool. But um, <clears throat> it was, it was quite the afternoon and evening and so many people came and spoke. It was amazing. But um, I wanted to share the last story. It was just a quick and funny one. And I know you guys would like it and the listeners too, you know, I, there were, there were so many serious things that, that were said, but it, the last one came from Jody Harrelson. He's a boat official uh on on mlf and he was aaron's driver after aaron had had his stroke he was aaron's he had to drive aaron's boat for the that last year that aaron fished he wasn't legally allowed to be operating a vehicle like that so jody was the driver and we knew the whole time like the aaron would be a bear to drive for right like he's the (laughs) best guy dude the best guy ever but you know it would be tough to be his driver because he's so particular about everything from from his oh, boat to his tackle to everything, you know, and, uh, and the boat driving, dude, he was always, everyone would always talk about how much of an amazing boat driver Aaron Martins was. So we're on Sturgeon Bay and this might've even been Jody's first tournament doing this, uh, driving for Aaron. And it goes pretty smooth the first day. It's nice and calm. But then the last, the second day that Aaron fishes, it's very rough. And uh, they launch and, Luckily, Aaron's not running too far. You know? <laughs> uh, 
but they fish around and, and Aaron's telling Jody, you know, all day long, you know, Hey dude, you know, 3,400 RPMs, 3,400 RPMs. That's the sweet spot. And uh, Jody's like, <laughs> you know, Aaron, I think it's a lot better. At, uh, it's pretty rough out here. I think it's a lot better at about 2,500 RPMs. And Aaron's like, no, 3,400 RPMs. Oh no. <laughs> dude, they fish around and then with like a little time left, they make one more move and go pretty far from the truck. And it's the end of the day, lines out, and uh, it's even rougher now, dude. It picked up, and it's really, really rough. And they start going, and, and again, Aaron's like, dude, 3,400 RPMs. Get it up. Get it up. And uh, he's like, Aaron, it's too rough. And Aaron's like, no, we're going to run out of gas. He goes, <laughs> he goes we're going to run out of gas, dude. you got to run 3,400 RPMs. We're you know, it's not fuel efficient enough if we go 2,200. <laughs> Dude, he had to buck up and run 3,400 RPMs all the way back. He goes, I only put eight gallons in this morning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Holy cow. Okay, okay, so full truth, I am intimidated as hell. Like, when you fish places like that and it gets windy and gnarly, I just I don't have a ton of experience driving a boat in big water. And so if that position would have been bestowed upon me, I would have, I would have bowed out, dude. So props to that guy for manning up and doing it. It's just tough and someone extra tough and someone else's uh -huh. boat, right? Uh -huh. Like it's not, you're not maybe comfortable with it and it's not your boat. Like it's just a <laughs> tough situation. And Get then you drop that pressure it. bomb on you that it's like, well, we don't have enough gas. <laughs> yeah, I like, only put eight gallons in. And hyperventilate here for a few minutes and then I'll get back to drive. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> Pretty pretty funny there was a lot of good stuff man there were there were some really amazing stories that no one really knew about Aaron um there's one angler that uh you know I won't say who it is um but he talked about how Aaron like made such an impact on him you know Aaron would always you know say love you man love you bro and um this guy was like kind of a pretty guarded guy you know didn't really say that to anyone his whole life and uh Aaron really like he, he ultimately got up, you know, up there just to say Aaron taught him that it was okay to say that to people that you really thought that of and uh you know like he was it was pretty amazing the impact he had on so many people and that was kind of reiterated over and over and over again you know the the people that um he, he really affected for the better it was cool powerful legacy yeah seriously i don't know if the concept of a celebration of life has been around forever i feel like i've only heard of that in the recent past few years but that's a badass way to address it i feel like funerals are you know maybe the more standard issue and they're cool they have their place but i think there's something a little bit more empowering when someone passes away when you kind of do it in that format versus the one that i thought was the traditional way so that's cool they did it that way yeah yeah and maybe it was in addition to a regular funeral i don't know but celebrations of life are cool i went to one for someone that i cared about recently and it's it's cool really yeah, it's cool. It's cool to hear just the you actually get to get to talk about some of the bright spots and 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 some of the positive things and have a yeah, you know, just it's awesome. It's what it is. It's a good label, right? You're just like celebrating someone's life. So it's cool. Yeah. May he rest in peace. No doubt. Um, but other than that, you know, hey, it's spring is coming, guys. So um, if you're listening, I do want to just give a quick shout out. Um, lots of spring sales going on. The spring classics going on at Bass Pro. Lots of deals on like if, if you're looking at getting live scope, if you're looking at getting something for your boat. Uh, they got sales on tracker lithium batteries. Rob and I are 
we're we're lithium freaks now and um i've been running those batteries for a couple of years they're awesome so it's a good time to get some of those um just whatever and then if you live anywhere around the springfield area bass pro is doing the spring fishing festival have you guys heard anything about this i haven't no it's like woodstock for bass fishing dude People it are is. Dirty they, and used to, they used to do this like i don't know before i got into fishing in springfield and it's like a massive massive event outside the the flagship store they've got jason aldean um <laughs> hank williams jr luke bryan dirks dirks bentley playing concerts um all the bass pros you know the nitro and bass pro pros i'm Not like 30th on the list of the guys that's doing seminars <laughs> there but um seminars all day crazy sales all the different a lot of the different manufacturers are coming and uh you know, bringing wow. tents and new products and stuff like that. So if you live with within a day's drive of that, I would highly recommend checking it out. It's going to be really cool. It's, um, I think it's April, last <clears throat> day in April and then the first two days in March. I'm sorry, uh -huh. uh, in May. So um, make sure you check that out if you can. And then Redcrest too. Uh, I'm getting ready to go to Redcrest now. And there's going to be a big expo. So if you live around Tulsa, um, similar deal. They're going to have a country concert a huge uh, outdoor expo and stuff. And that is surrounding the Redcrest tournament for MLF. And that is like, uh, it's in like a week and a half. So um, make sure you look that up too and check that out. Um, but yeah, other than that, what do you guys have anything else before we log off? What, uh, what's coming up for you guys? Uh, just a bunch of guide trips for me. I got one little, uh, little guide tip or pro tip, if you want to call it that. Hey, um, cue the music. So Rob's guide tip of the week. <laughs> so I, everybody knows I bought a new trailer for my boat, you know, last summer and I've been running up and down the freeways here and you get to 70 miles an hour and all of a sudden it's got a, a pretty bad vibration to it. So something people don't think of when they buy obviously brand new boats, brand new trailers, whatever, get your tires and wheels balanced because mm -hmm. I ended up doing that. And I know you do Josh, because you put new tires on when you get your trailers, but like, it's as simple as like, you would think like if you bought a $70,000 truck, they're going to balance your tires and wheels, which they do. You'd think they would do that on your boat trailers, but um, that vibration just destroys your, your everything involved with the Seriously. trailer, the boat, the electronics, everything. So I don't know, just something to think yeah. about. Now it pulls good at 90. What's that? Where's the next vibration now that you found? Is it, is it good past 90? <laughs> yeah. Once you get it rolling up nine, <laughs> up past 95, you're good. You, okay, good. But yeah. Yeah. yeah you, know, you got to drive through it. Just something I thought of and, and, you know, people might not think of doing that, you know, trailers get neglected in general, dude. It just is what it yeah. is. But yeah, I mean, Hey, that's, that's a great tip. I like yeah. that. So, okay. Just well, I, random, but I know we're white trying to wrap. We did have a couple of emails that the guy in charge of the emails who will remain anonymous myself kind of slept on. Uh, we're doing a little bit Please. of 180. Do you want to save it? Dude. Thank you, you guys for sending them to it. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Let's do it. And, and yeah, thank you guys for sending the messages in. We appreciate yeah. it. And Nick sucks. He didn't uh, respond. So let me, so some of these might be slightly dated as far as like things they're referencing. Um, Thanksgiving. Was, yeah, yeah. So uh, last 4th of July, Josh said to use relish on hot dogs. And um, okay, so this one is back 1st of February. Okay. And this is from. Um, a very anonymous person whose email is Anello. 
So Mr. Anello or Mrs. Anello, we thank you. Josh, I am curious about your thoughts in regards to round four at the Lake of the Ozarks. The weekend before is the Big Bass Bash, which usually has 2,000 to 3,000 registered votes in it. I'm interested to see how the pressure plays over to the next weekend. Obviously, a giant lake and much different techniques, but it should be cool to see. Kind of a comment. They said, best of luck to you this season. So Yeah, that's well, hey, thanks. Doing well. Thank you for the uh, good luck. And, uh, yeah, so far it played off into some mediocre tournaments. So hopefully <laughs> I'll have a really good one there, man. Um, that's a good, great question. And the pressure, like, ultimately, yeah, hearing that there's that tournament before already, like, doesn't make me excited, you know, about, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a time of year where you're right around the spawn. And if you were following it up like a day after a massive tournament like that, it is really, really going to impact it. If it's a few days after and the weather's right, you know, maybe you got a full moon coming in, a warming trend coming in, whatever it may be, there may be a lot more fresh fish pushing in, but that could have a major effect. The pressure could have a major effect. And I know that lake is also world famous for being insane with boat traffic of big pleasure boats on the weekends. Like one of the craziest in the country. It's one of the ones that gets mentioned when like, you're like, Oh, it's really bad out here. And they'll be like, you, no, you should see Lake of the Ozarks. Like it's, it's one of those places that it's the, where people around that area that have some cash have big houses on the lake. Chicago money, right? Big marinas. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Just like they said in the, in the, in the uh, Netflix series Show, yeah. and they got big boats and they go out on the weekends when it's warm. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how it is. I'm looking, I know out of all the Ozark lakes, that lake has, some of the biggest bass i'd say it's got the biggest average size for the largemouth out of all the lakes bull shoals table rock norfolk so uh i'm stoked about it and looking forward to it but there's going to be a lot of challenges that week and i'm already mentally preparing myself two months ahead of time <laughs> well i imagine the scenery at moments will be entertaining yeah. if you have to put up with some other yeah. and hey you know just one more thing too like if you know that going in you just pre-fish differently right you don't pick okay. the most unprotected parts of the lake that are going to be exposed to boat traffic Uh and also uh the most maybe the most obvious parts of the lake the creeks that are are known for winning a bunch of tournaments if you can find a couple somewhat sneakier areas you might be able to have a better tournament keep an eye towards subtlety it'll be brutal (laughs) maybe if you were 21 and single wouldn't be but it's not you okay next one has came in uh march 4th so much fresher this was of 2019 but, you know, at least we got the <laughs> month right. <laughs> this is our, our good old friend, Patrick Schaefer. What's up, Patrick? He's a good buddy and good... good Rob uh, stood Patrick up on a guy trip not too long yeah. ago. Join the club, Pat. That just means he <laughs> likes you. <laughs> he says, what is your opinion on anglers sandbagging when it comes to their weights? I have heard it mentioned a few times during Bassmasters Classics over the years. To me, I would just ignore what other people say and keep fishing. I wouldn't care what people were saying their weights were. Why is it such an issue that so many people seem to get upset about? I'm sure this is a great, I'm sure there is a great explanation as to why laugh out loud. I think he answered his own question, right? I mean, like F the haters. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. I get some insight though on it, but Rob, do you have something to say to you at first? You go first, Josh. (laughs) Well, so how about, I'll say first off sandbagging, like there's different types of sandbagging, right? Like if you, it drives me absolutely nuts when you're sitting like 
you know, if it's a local tournament, it's the end of the day, you're idling up to the dock and someone goes, how'd it go? And you go, not good. You know, and then you just come up and, and say you got 10 pounds and then you got 19 in your bag and you come in and blow it away at weigh-in. Like, that's pretty lame. That's a weak move. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason for that, right? <laughs> yeah, like that's, a winner. that's like the the hunting douche Instagram. That'd be fishing douche Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Don't be that guy. Yeah. That's just not cool. Like, but in the heat of the competition, it's a little different. And like, I'll use this classic as an example, Jason Christie. um, He apparently, I was fishing a tournament, so I didn't watch it, but apparently he said he had 13 pounds the final day and he had close to 18. But dude, when you are fishing a big tournament like that, if you you are on a a famous body of water that has tons of locals, like let's use like, Lake Fork too is like another place as an example. If you have, if, if you go on bass track and say that you have 20 pounds, guess who's going to come fishing your Creek with you? Guess who's going to try to find where Jason Christie's at <laughs> or whoever and fish around you, all the locals out there. Right. So like, it's very beneficial to not have all these dudes fishing around you. So why would you want them to think that you're catching a bunch of fish, you know, uh, and that's just like i know that's not the whole scope of things but like when you see guys maybe downplaying their weight on bass track uh, or whatever that's a big reason um just to keep some of the limelight off of you so you can go ahead and finish catching your fish before the all that comes in um, <laughs> but you know that's a different deal than than sandbagging in a local tournament you know um, yeah it's nuanced right it's funny i was taught like when i first got into tournament fishing i was taught which is the total wrong thing. It's a, it's a deuce thing as Rob said <laughs> to just never like to never act like you would catch anything. And I literally would just blatantly tell people after practice, not my good friends, but people are like, no, I never caught anything. And I remember at Alamo, dude, we were like 16 years old, 18 years old. I was fishing with my buddy, Justin, and you guys know Larry Hardy, best guy ever. Well, dude, the bite was so wide open at Alamo. It's April. We'd gone out and had 20 pounds and, and had 50 <laughs> bites practicing. And Larry was nice enough to let us stay in his camper with him to his RV. And, <laughs> and we still weren't it. giving him the goods. And he goes, how is it? And we're like, we caught nothing. You know, we didn't catch anything. No bites. And uh, he goes, well, and he knew we were just lying. But he goes, well, you guys must suck. You know, and then that was it. <laughs> and but like yeah dude we were 16 we didn't know any better but smug um, dumbass teenagers you don't want to lie i think if you don't if you don't want to lie you're better off just telling someone you'd rather not say but lying is just not cool i think if you're gonna lie you need to lie like you have a ton and then catch nothing like at least just look the worst (laughs) like do that i know the worst is like not saying you have anything and having it at least if you're like bro i'm sitting on 20 pounds and then you weigh in three you can be like "Mm, my bag ripped they fell in the lake here's what i got you know what i mean like at least this safe face is better that direction you guys know guys like that (laughs) you might be talking to one (laughs) what do you think josh i I hadn't thought of the factor like you're saying though with the Jason Christie and the I mean that's like a veteran move right there. In Absolutely, the, don't, don't give you can't lie, anything, but Josh dude, said. if it's a four pounder, it's a two and a half <laughs> yeah. until it's actually on the scale. Yeah, yeah, because the classic is known for not only people fishing around you, but the just the spectators and that boat traffic messing things up. So it's happened to many a guys. I think oh, yeah. locals fishing, like especially like in the classic. That's the craziest thought ever to be like, here's the Bassmasters classic. 
and I'm just going to go fun fish around the guy who's like leading or something. That's a thought process that is valid. I mean, I guess you get to do whatever you want, but that's a crazy one. I, I could spectate. Yeah. But that's amazing to think that you'd be. It's a weird fishing. sport because there's yeah. a lot of those uncontrollable things going on that sometimes if you, but if you play it right, you can, you can somewhat control it. Right. But like, there's it's almost just, like there's going to be a wild card guy out there that's yeah. going to like, that's going to do that. It makes maybe, you wonder in the past how many, how many classic leaders lost because of those situations. I mean, past you know, Jay, maybe have happened, right? I mean, Jason Christie's been close a couple times before, and it makes you wonder. Like that's how he learned. <laughs> yeah, like is it really from it, from learning that he did that? You know, it feels like if they were having like a a big like tour level golf event, and like coming down the the back nine on the championship day. And then some asshole like me who is so bad at golf, right? Like I shoot 120 <laughs> anytime I go golf. That'd be like me, like, hey, can I play through here real quick and just like effing everything up and like using a sandwich <laughs> on the green, right? Be like, okay, sweet, thanks, right? Like, that oh yeah, happen. for sure. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah, you just don't get that outside influence in some other sports. And so it's kind it of a cool variable, is. I guess. It like is I funny. started out pooping on it. Now I think it's actually pretty awesome. I like, remember Van Dam at Toledo Bend, dude. He was leading the tournament, you know, blowing it away, and he was kind of fishing one spot. And it was to the point where he'd catch his fish and have to kind of guard it the rest of the day, right? And, like, he would sit on it and maybe not cast to the best stuff or whatever, or even not fish. And as soon as he would go to weigh-in, dude, there's 50 people that were watching him. <laughs> we were just like, <laughs> And not, dude, most of them were cool. But there would be some that would fish. And another buddy who I will not mention that was fishing the tournament. We'll put his name in the show him. notes. Yeah. You guys know him real well. He uh, he drives by and sees them all. He flipped them off on the way through during the <laughs> tournament. Dude, I was like, good for you. That's ballsy, dude. But uh, good for uh, you for kind of telling them what's up. Dude, that's so not funny. common. It doesn't happen all the time, but it, no. it's a factor. And, and, and a guy like Van Dam or Wheeler, dude, it is that, like they oh. are going to have like – you know, dude, when I'm out on the water in one of those tournaments, if a guy's passing by or if I'm doing really, really well, you'll get a couple guys watching. But Van Dam or Wheeler, at any given point, they'll have 20 boats, 30 boats with them, and it affects the way they set up on a spot, the way they – I mean, it, dude, it's like they're running a whole different program out there trying to, trying to operate with that going on yeah. along with it. It's pretty crazy. I did see Wheeler in one of the recent tournaments. He was waving someone off, and the camera would not look that direction. It was, really? Yeah, it's like I want to see what's going on. Dude, over he's there. probably like shirtless. He's got a Keystone light. <laughs> right. No, I think it might have been another competitor. Who knows what it was? But uh, he was like, like really shooing someone off. It was the situation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's why it should break down and go into Indian leg wrestling to see who gets to have the spot, like clear the front deck and. <laughs> throw it down like men yeah like real men well that i think was the i went back to 2019 for missed emails i think there was another one hiding in here but we'll save that because it's yeah. a long one and i might read it only to be like never mind so well that's cool make sure you keep them coming guys it's been a little while since we kind of did the q a session so yeah keep those coming especially you know in between when we're not having guests but and we've got some ideas we got some pretty funny stuff uh coming uh for guests down the pipeline, but for the next couple episodes, I'll probably be similar to this. And um, then we'll kind of get back into the normal swing of things, but um, appreciate you all listening. Do you guys have anything else before uh, we sign off? Rob looks great in that 2019. 2019-
2019 era anglers happy hour sweatshirt thanks for still wearing that rob that we peaked we're like we're like uh (laughs) uncle rico and napoleon dynamite throwing a football at a tv camera that's us we peaked so thanks rob hold on never let go all right guys well hey thanks for tuning in again and (laughs) we'll be back at you next week or sometime around then we'll talk to you later guys